All right, Jabba, we'll say good, good morning. Let us begin with a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning's shir. To thank our Tamatora sponsors, Paul and Kathy Pollock, for dedicating all the shiurim and drushos this month in honor of their grandchildren. Our dafiomi shir in the schus of Rafua for Yehuda ben Michal. And our week of learning sponsors, Gail and Doug Stanger in the Zuchus and in celebration of the upcoming bar mitzvah of their grandson Akiva this coming Shabbos B'Sha'at Tova Umetzlacha so we'll say with that let us begin so we left off today's daf is Lamed Gimel 33 beautiful shir last night after the fast and we left off with three lines up from the bottom on 32b Chovel Bechavero so just to give a, a 30 second update as to where we're holding right now Last night, we saw a riveting Machlokas, Rabbi Yochanan and Ula. Specifically, again, then you have a situation where you commit an act, and the act results in dual liability of Malchus and Mammon, of lashes and financial obligation. So which one, which one do you, which, what, what, which chiyuv is generated? So Ula said that when there is Malchus and Mammon, you go with Mammon. Rabbi Yochanan says when there's Malchus and Mammon, you go with Malchus. But even Rabbi Yochanan said that there are two exceptions to this rule based on the psak of Rabbi Eloi. What of Rabbi Eloi? What were the two? What were the two? What were the two exceptions to the rule? What were the two exceptions to the rule? So the two exceptions were Edim Zomun, which we saw in yesterday's daf, and the second is Chovu Bechavero. Let's pick up with that now. So Chovu Bechavero, the Gemara says, the Chovu Bechavero, three lines are from the bottom. Nami, Mirtik Siv, Kasha, Asa, Kenya, Aselo, Ultimately, again, okay. So, by Chovu Bechavero, so the Torah says as follows Kasha, Asa, what a person has done to someone else, Kenya, Aselo. Ultimately, again, that is what is done to them. So, the Gemara says, Kin, Yinosin, Bo, Lamali. And I will say, once again, I have two psukim. Right, so Pasuk number one is Ve'ish al-Kiyitin mum ba'amito Kasher asa kinye asa lo If a person injures his fellow That which he did Shall be done to him Both say then the next Pasuk is The next Pasuk is So again Shever tacha Shever ayin tachas Ayin shein tachas shein Torah gets more specific over here Literally a breakage Instead of a break Or under a breakage An eye for an eye Tooth for a tooth the way you inflict a mum on someone, that will be inflicted to you. Why do you need that second phrase, king yinasin bo? It's redundant, it's superfluous. To which the Gemara says, ah, I'll tell you why. It's referring to something which can be given over. I will say, what's an example of something which can be handed over? Money. So I will say, so from here you see that in the case of Chovel Bechavero, even though halacha lemaisa is a chiyuv malchus, there's also what going to be a chiyuv mammon. Rabbi Yochanan, my time with Amakula. So we'll say fine. So now, now, we'll say, now we have our two schools of thought. To Rabbi Yochanan's school of thought, when there's mammon and malchus, we go with malchus set aside mammon, except for two cases. And Ula's school of thought, when there's malchus and mammon, go with mammon, leave aside malchus. Good. Now says the Gemara, Rabbi Yochanan, my time with Why does Rabbi Yochanan not hold like Ula? Why didn't he hold like Ula? Very simple. He says, Imkain bitalta ervas achoscha lo sigale. Very interesting. Because Rabbi Yochanan holds, if halacha lemaisa, you go ahead and you adapt malchus over mammon, then you have essentially negated the lav of ervas achoscha lo sigale, which is the lav of an erva of one's sister. What does that mean? Take a look at the last Rashi of the daf. Imkain, tepatarta 
effectively you go ahead and you say that halacha lamaisa that that there's no malchus whenever there's mammon. So remember again, let's take a step back. We're talking about what's the specific case over here. Man violates his sister. So remember again, according to our Mishnah, what's the halacha if a man violates his sister? What's the halacha? Knas. Knas. Rabbi Yochanan says, here's the problem. So you're going to tell me you're going to adopt mammon over malchus. The problem with that is then you've effectively negated the love. Because ultimately, again, violating one's sister is a love. So a love almost always generates a chi of malchus. So if there's no chi of malchus, there's only a chi of mammon, you have negated the love. To which the Gemara says, top of Lamed Gimel, I don't understand. Chavu bechavero nami. Instead of the Gemara says, one second, if that's, if that's your logic, that failure to give malchus effectively negates the love, then you could apply that to any case. Chavu bechavero nami. When a person injures his friend, imkein bitalta lo yosef. So in that case over there also, if you go ahead and pay money, instead of going ahead and giving malchus, you've violated the love of lo yosef. The boss man, we saw this last night. Lo Yosef is the love that is associated whenever you hit someone. What's the love of Lo Yosef? A little Chazara. What's the love of Lo Yosef? That Beisdin is not, right? Whenever Beisdin is going to flog someone, the court physician comes along, assesses, assesses the, um, what do we call that guy? The guilty party, right? Assesses the guilty party. Ultimately, how many lashes he could sustain. That's what you give him. If you give him more than that set amount of lashes, you are in violation of Lo Yosef. What's fascinating, the Gemara introduced us to this idea last night, which is that what? Anytime you hit someone, you're effectively in violation of Lo Yosef, which is really interesting, because you're giving someone, you're, you're hitting someone in a way that they do not deserve. You're giving them, quote unquote, more than their allotted quota. So the Gemara says, if you make him pay, if you make him pay, ultimately again, if you make him pay, and not and not Malchus, Bital to Lo Yosef. So the Gemara says, Bital to Lo Yosef and Yosef, Edim Zominami. So to be Edim Zomimin, Imkain Bital to Vahayan Binakos Harasha. So I will say, the point the Gemara is making over here is Rabbi Yochanan, it's a very strange argument to make. That if Halacha Lamaisa, if you were to hold like Ula, then suddenly you feel like you're negating all of these Lavin. To which the Gemara says, Well, Ela Edim Zomimin, Afshar Likuma, the Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza. Now, Edom Zomimin is a little bit different. Why? Because Halacha Lamaisa, Halacha Lamaisa, that could be upheld in the case of Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza. And I will say, this is a classic Makas case. Remember again, normally Edom Zomimin are subject to what? Subject to what? Reciprocal punishment. There are exceptions. What's the exception to the rule? If Edom come along and say, imagine two witnesses come along and say, Ruvain, everyone thinks that Ruvain is a Kohen. Ruvain is not a Kohen, his mother's a Grusha. Okay, then witnesses come along and they say to the first set of witnesses, there's no way you can know that because of whatever, you were with us or you never lived here, you never, however they, however they discredit it. We don't say that we make the Edim themselves into Ben Grusha, Ben Chalutz. In other words, let's say it happens to the Edim or Kohanim. So we don't apply reciprocal punishment in that case, but there is a din ultimately of what? Of Malchus. So I will say, so again, the point the Gemara is making over here is an Edim Zomen, you could have Malchus. Chovo Bechaver Nami, in the case of Chavu Bechavero, you could also come up with the case of Malkus. How? We saw this in yesterday's Dav also. What's an example of a situation where everyone would agree that in Chavu Bechavero you'd be Chayiv Malkus and not Mammon? 
and a case where the injury does not generate a financial liability. When doesn't injury generate financial liability? When it's an injury that is less than a shave pruta. So the Gemara says, Achoso nami So we'll say, similarly again, in the case of Achoso, you can also come up with a case where everyone would agree that there's a din of Malkus and not Mammon. And when is that? Bachoso Bogeres. Oh, also we've seen this a number of times already. The din of Knas, the din of Knas is only in what situation? Nara. Knas does not apply to Bogeres. Incredible. So Amalekh Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan would say, so we'll say, so therefore again, this is why, so we're So first of all, so remember again, if you remember in yesterday's daf, so Ula's, Ula's drusha, right? We were trying to figure out, Ula, right? Remember, what's Ula's, what's Ula's position? Ula's position is that when Ari have Malkus and Mammon, what do you do? You take, we take the Malkus, so to speak, in other words, you chai for the Malkus, put, I'm sorry, chai for the Mammon, putter for the Malkus. If you remember, we went through a series of drushas to try to figure out how Ula gets there. The final drusha that the Gemara settled on was on the very top of Lamed Beis Amid Beis, where the Gemara made a Gzir Shava of Tachas Tachas. Right? Tachas Tachas. It was Tachas Asher Ina, which ultimately, again, is the Tachas. When a, when a man violates a woman, and then ultimately again, ayin tachas ayin. And we understood that just like ayin tachas ayin, everyone agrees, I will say, what is that? That's mammon. That's mammon. Even though again, ayin tachas ayin means I injured someone. So when I injured someone, ultimately, there's going to be what? There's going to be mammon and malchus. But yet, tachas over here by ayin tachas ayin means mammon and not malchus. So to again, tachas asher ina, by the case of violation, Means Maman and not Malkus. That, that was Ula's Gzereshava. Now the Gemara says, I'm a Yochanan, I reject that. I reject that. I'll tell you why. Because actually, I need that Pasuk for a different Drasha. What's the Drasha? When the Pasuk says, What does that mean? So we'll say this is very interesting. The fact that it says tachas asher ina, ultimately that tells us that there is a din of boshes and pigam in this scenario as well. Remember, again, I both say what's boshes? Boshes is humiliation. What's pigam? Pigam depreciation. Boshes and pigam. Ve'ula. So where, where would ula get this from? Where would ula get this from? So the Gemara says here. If you look at, all right, let's go back there. Ve'ula nafkalei midrava. Where does ula learn out that in addition to knas? There's also going to be Boshes and Pigam. So, Ula Nafkale Midirava. He learns that from Rava. Do'am Rava, Amakra. Vinnasan Ha'ish Hashochiv Imala Aviyanara Chamishim Kesef. So, let's listen to this. By the penalty payment, the Torah says that the man will give to the Aviyanara, he will give to the father of the girl 50 silver pieces. Hanas Shriva Chamishim. The penalty payment of the 50 silver pieces is dafka for the act of violation. For the act of violation. Mechlal di'ika boshe supagam. Prabhupada we learn, excuse me, we learn from here that there are going to be other forms of payment as well. Other forms of payment as well. So we'll say, so again, this is our machlokas. This is our machlokas. So the Gemara leaves off over here. We're not finished yet. But again, for, for this moment, the Gemara is going ahead and leaving this machlokas between Ula 
and Rabbi Yochanan as it is. Rabbi Elezer Omer, Edim Zomin, Mamona Mishalmi, Umilka Lo Loki. So we'll say now we're going to delve into some of the specific cases. Rabbi Elezer says, Edim Zomin, so again, we'll call them false witnesses, but you understand, of course, Edim Zomin are a unique brand of false witnesses where we apply reciprocal punishment. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Edim Zomin, Mamona Mishalmi, Umilka Lo Loki. Rabbi Eliezer says, Edim Zomin themselves, ultimately, again, Mamona Mishalmi, they pay money, Milka Lo Loki. They ultimately, again, they do not get Malchus. Now, I will say, this is fact. Let's go back. Now, this was a concept that everyone agreed on. Because remember, again, let's take a step back. Even Rabbi Yochanan. Let's go back. Rabbi Yochanan. What's Rabbi Yochanan Shita? When there's a chiv of Mammon and Malchus, what's Talacha? You get the Malchus, get the Malchus, don't get the Mammon. Even Rabbi Yochanan agreed that there were two exceptions to that rule. What were the two exceptions to the rule? Edim Zomin. So let's talk about this in just a moment. Why don't Edim Zomamin get Malchus? That was said, the Gemara already teased this out a little bit because Edim Zomamin can't get Hasra. Hasra means a warning. In general, the halacha is that in order to go ahead and incur liability for any particular infraction, you have to be warned. You have to be warned. And a warning means, and by, warned by Edim, what you're about to do is usher. What you're about to do is usher. Ultimately, and if you do so, it's going to carry the following penalty. So you might say something amazing. So do you know why do you know why Adim Zomamin ultimately again, ultimately go because it was like I'm sorry, let's just take one step back. Adim Zomin really should get both. Why should they get both? Because it was like the two liabilities are coming from two different places. Right? Remember again, let's go back. Where does the key of Malchus come from? He of Malchus for Edom's only comes from where? Right? Ninth commandment. Lo sana brecha shaker. Don't bear false testimony. Where does Mammon come from in Edom's omen, assuming that it's a Mammon case? Edom's omen. In other words, it's two different laven. Edom's omen is its own halacha of reciprocal punishment. So really, this case would be ripe for two distinct punishments because halacha la the two liabilities stem from two different laven. There's not an overlap over here. Yet, everyone seems to agree that Adam Zomin will pay Mammon. They won't get Malchus. Why? Because they're not subject to Asura. So let's talk about this. So the Gemara says, Labane Asura Nenu. Amarava. So I'll tell you why. Teda, this is fascinating. Nisri Buhu Amos. Let's think about this just a moment. When can you, when can you warn Adam Zomin? When can you possibly warn them? So I'll say, if you warn them, now, if you look at Rashi, it's a little bit further down in Rashi, like right across from Tulsa's, uh, like, Ella. So I'll say, let's say somehow you know that two guys are thinking about giving testimony. So you, you give them a warning. You give them hasra a day before they give the testimony. 24 hours, or, or even an hour, some amount of time before they give the testimony. So what's the problem with that? So the Gemara says, Amri Ishtalin. So here's the problem. By the time they get around to giving the testimony, they can claim that what? They forgot Tasra. Those of us say, generally we assume, when does Hasra take place? When does Hasra take place? Bishas Maisa, at the time when the, when, the, when the act is occurring. So when are you going to warn them? If you're going to warn them an hour or a day before they give the testimony, so they could, they could claim, we forgot. We forgot. Okay, Nesru B'Shas Maisa, this is fascinating. If you go ahead and you warn them, literally at the moment that they're about to give the testimony, what's going to happen? Parshi, 
Velo Masadi. What's going to happen? They're just not going to testify. Nervosi, you say to yourself, great, they're not going to testify, that's fantastic. Nervosi, just to be clear, when you're giving witnesses warning, right, you cl- obviously, I don't know their Edom Zolim. Right, I'm giving. Why, why am I giving? Why am I giving witnesses test? Why, why am I giving witness? Why am I giving witnesses a warning? Why? Because again, I want to make sure people know not to lie. So, well, so here's the problem. Imagine witnesses show up and then based in, and they're about to give testimony. And right before they give testimony, we tell them, by the way, if you're a liar, first of all, it's a lie, and if you're Adam's you're going to get reciprocal punishment. Well, so what are the witnesses going to do? What are they going to do? They're going to turn right back around and walk out. Right for two reasons. Number one, because I will say what that does is it casts a pale of suspicion upon the witnesses. You, you don't trust that we were. We're here to give testimony. You don't trust us? You don't trust us? So look at that just a moment. Even if they're really going to tell the truth, this, this is absolutely fascinating. If the witnesses feel that they are suspect in the eyes of the Beisdin, they're going to say, why should we do it? First of all, it's offensive. It's offensive. You don't believe me? What, what, what have I ever done to, 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 to give you pause about my credibility? So if you don't believe me, what do I need this for? Which I will say is such a profound lesson on two levels. About number one, number one, always giving people the benefit of the doubt. It's important to know, working on Ben Adam Lechavero doesn't end with Tisha B'Av, right? right? Still, still, there's a din of Ben Adam Lechavero all year around. To be down the Kafskos, to, and, and it's important for people to know that you believe in them because people know when you don't believe in them and people know when you suspect them and people know when you don't really hold their credibility. So to give people the benefit of the doubt, the other piece is if you make it too difficult for people to do the right thing, they won't do it. You have to make it easy for people to do the right thing. So here the Gemara says, if you throw up this roadblock and you go ahead and you deliver this hasra, right, right before they give the act, the person is going to say, what do I need this for? I'm, I'm, I'm coming to help, right? I'm coming to give testimony. Testimony obviously is there for benefit. But Lamaisa, if you feel that I'm suspect, forget it, I'm out. I'm out. Credible you so. Listen, by the way, Shas is filled with examples like this that if you want someone to do the right thing, you have to make it easy for them. The most notable example of this is what we call the Takhanas HaShavin, which is a halacha that says that if a person is a career thief and they want to go ahead and do tshuva, fascinating halacha, what's the halacha? They don't have to return the stolen objects. <laughs> we let them do tshuva without returning the stolen object, like amnesty, right? We don't, why? Because we'll say if someone is a career thief, and they want to do tshuva, and they have to return the stolen objects. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? They're going to have nothing. So if it's a choice between being pious and having nothing, most of us choose having stuff. That's just the way that it is. Chazal understood if you want to facilitate tshuva, you have to make it easy. People want to do the right thing. But most of us can't do the right thing if it's too hard. So Chazal do what they do in order to facilitate, because society has a vested interest in people doing the right thing. So we want people to give Eidos. We want people to give Eidos. So if you give them Hasra, right as they're about to give the testimony, forget it. So therefore, I will say, watch this. So therefore, to give Hasra sometime before they give the testimony, they can claim they forgot. To go ahead and give Hasra right before they give the testimony, they're just going to walk away. So listen to this. What's the other possibility? So the Gemara says, Nisri basof. So maybe we should give them hasra right after they give the testimony. What was, was. They will say, by the way, 
This is this is like a life mantra. My dahava hava. What was was. But say the best way to live life. You can't control the past. The only thing you have control over is what is in front of you. My dahava hava. What was was. Move on. Say if I will say this is what's interesting. So therefore, it turns out really interesting. There's no way to give proper hasra to edim zomamin because there's no way to give proper hasra to edim zomamin. Therefore, what they can never be subject to malchus. To malchus. Ultimately, again, to Mammon, which is the reciprocal punishment, they will be subject to, but no Malkus. Maskev la I don't understand. I have an idea. Vinisri bohu dibor. Oh, interesting. Why don't you go ahead and give Asra to them what we call soch kidei dibor. What's we'll toch kidei dibor? Toch kidei dibor means that when you say something and then something is said within the immediate aftermath of that statement. What we call, or is the amount of time that it takes you to say, Shalom Alecha Rabbi Umori, so a couple of seconds, which is essentially saying anything you say after a couple of seconds of something you said previously is attached to that initial statement. So generally, the way Toch Kedei Dibo works, I'll give you a simple example. I pick up my cup of coffee and I say, and then I realize, oh, no, 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 no. So as long as I, as long as I amend that, that phrase within a few moments after my initial one, it works. It works. Tolkhidei Dibur gives you the ability to qualify. To, if I'm making a break for at 6 o'clock in the morning, there might be other issues. Right? But Lamaisa, but, but, but if I amend that statement, if I amend that statement quickly enough, then halacha lamaisa, that works. So Gemara floats a fascinating, a fascinating idea over here. Why not just give them the hasra toch kadei dibor? In other words, let the edim give their edos, give their edos, and right after they give their edos, we give our hasra. Take a look at Rashi. About four lines up from before Rashi gets wide, five lines up. So go ahead, we'll say the same way that if Edim give Edos, they could retract, they could retract. So why not go ahead and just give them the Hasra, as well. Or, here's what else you could do. Give them the hasra sometime beforehand. Sometime beforehand. And then, ah, uh, you were afraid that if you give it to them beforehand, what's going to happen? They're going to forget. So remind them. Literally, motion to them. And I will say, sometimes you tell someone something and you're afraid they're going to forget or they have forgotten. It's like, you don't need to say the whole thing again. It's good. You don't have to say the whole thing again. It's okay. You could apply this to different relationships, right? You don't say the whole thing. It's sometimes a little remez, just like a little remez, a little hint, a little something, a little gesture reminds the person of that thing. So why not go ahead, warn the witnesses, give them hasra sometime beforehand, and then at the time of the edus, just go ahead and kind of motion, hint to them, and it'll remind them. So the Gemara says, Hadra Amr Lav Nil Amri. Afterwards, Abai came along and said, None of that doesn't work. I'll tell you why. So the Gemara says, Because it says it's a different issue. If you really think that Edim Zomen require Hasra, well, first of all, if you look at Rashi, Lav Nil Amri, second wide line in Rashi, Shehu Edim Zomen Hasra. Abai comes along and says, I think this whole thing is flawed. Edim Zomen don't really need Hasra. They don't really need hasra. Why the Gemara says isa daitcha edim zomen suichin hasra kilo masrinan bahu lo katlinan bahu. 
Because we'll say, if that's the case, if Edom Zoman really needed Hasra, that would mean, in a case where you did not deliver Hasra, then what? You wouldn't be able to execute them. We'll say, let's just take a capital case. Witnesses are coming along and saying that Reuben killed Shimon. Reuben killed Shimon. Let's say it turns out, the second set of witnesses come up, say to the first set of witnesses, you could not have seen what you claim to have saw, that you have claimed to have seen, because you were with us. You were with us. Okay, so what is, what is the halach of Edim Zomen now say? First set of witnesses, you tried to get Shruven executed, now we're going to execute you. So I says, if that's the case, that Edim Zomen required Hasra, then in a case where we did not give them Hasra, you would not be able to carry out the reciprocal punishment. But let's say to which the Abai says that makes no sense. Mi'ika midi, the inhu boy katal below hasra, the inhu bo hasra. So let's say, let's play this out. Right? The Adim were trying to execute Ruvain for having killed Shimon even without hasra. So that's what they were trying to do. Now we're going to go ahead and spare the Adim Zolomon because they didn't have hasra. The Gemara says, Problem is supposed to be reciprocal, which means we do to the witnesses, that's what they tried to do to the defendant. They tried to have him executed without Hasra. We should therefore be able to execute them without Hasra as well. So as Rabbi say, what Abai essentially is saying is that Edom Zomen is a unique case. In general, the truth is Edom Zomen is a unique concept. The concept of reciprocal punishment. But Allah is saying it's even more. Because the whole point of Edom Zomen is complete reciprocity. Well, part of that reciprocity, part of what they wanted to do is they wanted to execute an innocent person, which obviously means that the defendant didn't have Hasra. So reciprocity therefore warrants that they should be executed even without Hasra as well. Therefore, Abaye says, the, whereas, whereas the concept of Hasra applies to all other areas, not all, but all, we'll call it all areas of halacha, by Edim Zomamin, there's no concept of Hasra. Incredible. Ben Grusha ben Chalutz, the Dlo Mekasha Zamam Kamis Rabbi, the Boy Hasra. So I'll say that's the case. Remember, we always go back. This is the first case of Makkas. First case of Makkas. So the Gemara says, what about the case of Ben Grusha ben Chalutz? Where we, where, we, where we understand that Halach Alamaisah, you can't apply reciprocity. Or as I will say, this is the case where Adim show up. They say that a particular guy will call him Aaron. Aaron is not a coin. Aaron is a Ben Grusha ben Chalutz. Right, so we'll say, what's talacha? Let's say it turns out that the Edom are Edom Zomimin, so our reciprocal punishment, what should we do to them? What should we do to them? Make them a Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza. We don't do that. Remember, what's the Joshua of the Gemara? The Gemara says, because why? If you make them Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza, then what does it do? <coughs> Impacts future generations. And the Gemara Darshins, Va'asisim lo kasher zamam, lo below the banaf. Reciprocal punishment could only impact the witnesses themselves, not the offspring of the witnesses. So therefore, again, I will say, Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza is an exception to the reciprocity rule. So if that's the case, because they're the exception, maybe Allah Chalamaisa, in Dafka, the case of Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza, maybe you should require Hasra there. Amikram, Mishpat Echad Yelachem, Mishpat Hashav Lekuchem. Now, you can't, you're not going to do that. Or as well say, you're not going to start making that in some cases of Edom Zomamin, there's Hasra. Other cases of Edom Zomamin, is not Hasra. Mishpat Echad, there's got to be one uniform Allah. Rav Shishabrid, Rav Idi, Amar, Chavo Bechavero, Nami, Mamon, Mishalim, Milkalo, Laki, Mihacha. Both says this. Rav Shishabrid, Rav Idi also said, Chavo Bechavero, which Rav Shishabrid was the other exception case of Rabbi Law. 
damaging your friend is also a case where you'll pay money, but you won't get Malkus. Where do we know that? From Mehacha, V'chiyinatsu anashim v'nagfu ishahara v'yatsu yiladeha. So we'll say the Torah is talking about over here. There's two different cases. Case number one, case number one is two men are fighting. Two men are fighting. They, they shove a pregnant woman and she ends up miscarrying. So I will say, now in case number one, the woman doesn't die. No one dies in this case. The miscarriage occurs. So the Gemara says, what's Talacha? There's a financial penalty ultimately again for having caused the miscarriage. Of Amr Belazer, medaber. So Rabbi Lozer says, what's the case of Osai? The case of the two guys who are fighting, right? We call them Reuven and Shimon are fighting, right? Ultimately, again, we'll call it Reuven. Reuven knocks over a pregnant woman, causes her to miscarry, but no one dies. No one dies in the exchange. So what's the halacha? So ultimately, Reuven now has to pay damages to the woman. So the Gemara of Rabbi Lozer says, we talk about the case where Reuven and Shimon are fighting with the intention to kill each other. Ben Matzos Sheben they're coming to kill each other. So the Gemara says, Remember again, what does the next Pasuk say? The next Pasuk says, but one second. If Reuben and Shimon are fighting and ultimately they end up killing the pregnant woman, You see that because they end up killing someone, it must be that the context in which they are fighting is they're trying to kill each other. They're trying to kill each other, but instead of killing each other, they end up killing someone else. Say, hey, Chidami, what's the case, Rabbi Say, What's the case? So the Gemara says, look at Rashi for just a moment. So interesting enough, remember again, so let's just play out the case number two. Case number two, Ruben and Shimon are fighting. And they're fighting with the intention to what? To what? Kill each other. Kill each other. But instead, Reuven doesn't kill Shimon. He ends up killing Rachel. He ends up killing Rachel. Yeah. So what does the Torah say? nefesh tachas nefesh. So there's a couple of things that's happening over here. It sounds like what's going to happen, Reuven now is executed for having killed Rachel. Even though what, Rabbi Now what's the novelty? Even though what? It wasn't his intention. Now he wanted to kill someone, to be clear. He wanted to kill Shimon. Right? But he did not have in mind to kill Rachel. Nevertheless... Sounds like he is liable for killing Rachel. So let's analyze this. Hechi dummy. What's the case? If Ruvain didn't receive Hasra, if Ruvain wasn't warned, right? Witnesses see that Ruvain's trying to kill Shimon. So if, there, if witnesses didn't warn Ruvain, Ruvain, you're not allowed to kill someone. And if you do, that's a capital offense. You'll be executed. See, if, he was, if there was no Hasra, am I Miktal? They both say, Bezdin doesn't put someone to death without Hasra. El the Asrube. Rather, it's clear that what? They must have warned Ruvain. Remember, what was the Asra for Ruvain? What was the Asra? What was the Asra? That's what was don't kill Shimon. Umusra ledavar chamer, have musra ledavar akal. And I will say, what do you learn from here? That when you receive Hasra, when you receive Hasra, ultimately, again, for something chamer, that works as Hasra even for something more akal. Because you will say, we know the halacha. That when Reuben needs to kill Shimon and he ends up killing Rachel, Reuben is not executed for that. You are never executed for a non-premeditated act. Instead, what has to happen? Nefesh tachas nefesh in this context means what? Mammon. Means money. Look at Rashi. Rashi 
Shem Chiyuv Misa, Ye Anish Demei Vlados, the Afagav the Ika Hasrala Malkus, Alma Mishalim Veino Loke. So I'll say the point over here is you see that Halacha Lamaisa, Ruven is being warned for one thing. Now, truth is, let's go back to the previous case for just a moment. Not case two. Actually, I strike that. Let's leave aside Nefesh Tachas Nefesh just a moment. Let's go back to case number one. Case number one is we see Ruvain about to kill Shimon. He's trying to kill Shimon. Right? What do witnesses do? What do witnesses do? Give Hasra. And they probably should intervene as well. But okay, right, right now they're focused on the Hasra. Right? So they give Hasra. Ruvain now let it kill Shimon. We'll say, now what happens? Ruvain does not kill Shimon. Instead, what does he end up doing? He ends up knocking over Rachel. And what happens? She miscarries. She miscarries. They will say, what's the halacha in that case? What's the halacha in that case? Financial restitution. They will say, what's fascinating about this case? Reuben got hasra for what? For murder. Don't kill Shimon. Bakshon doesn't kill Shimon, but he ends up causing financial damages and we make him pay. What do you see from there? What do you see from there? That halacha lemaisa, if you get hasra for a more severe act, that hasra covers a less severe act as well. Reuben got hasra not to kill Rakhashem doesn't kill, he ends up injuring, causing financial damage. That same hasra will make him liable ultimately again for financial damages. But I will say the point over here is that what do you see? You see from here also in the case of financial damages, Chovo because that's what's happening. Ruven is injuring Rachel. What do you see from here? That when the case where there's Malkus and Mammon, what do you get? What do you get? Mammon and not Malkus. You pay the money, you don't get Malkus. Beautiful. So the Gemara says. To which the Gemara says, Maskil for Ravashi, Mimai de Musul Dabracham, Havi Musul Dabraka. I don't say, how do you know that? How do you know that Halacha Lamaisa, when you get Hasra for something more Hummer, that that Hasra works for a less severe infraction as well? Dilma lo Havi. Maybe it doesn't work. Imtim Slomar Havi. And if you say it does work, Mimai de Misa Hamura, how do you know that death, right? Hasra for death is considered to be more Hummer. I will say, watch this. Dilma Ahmed Bey's Dilma Malkus Hummer. Maybe Rabbi will say, this is incredible. Maybe Malchus is more Hummer than death. Rabbi will say, how could Malchus be more Hummer than death? Rabbi Rav will also listen to this, because Rav says, Rabbi will say, get ready for this. The story of Hanani, Mishal, and Azariah is a story by Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had made a great statue of himself. And he had commanded that everyone bow down to it. The three great prophets, Hanani, Mishal, and Azariah, refused to bow. And as a result, they were thrown into the Kivshana Eish, fiery furnace. And again, a miracle occurred. They were saved. So the Gemara says, listen to this. Had Hanani, Mishal, and Azariah gotten, gotten Malchus, which means they're both saying, had they been tortured, had they been tortured, they would have bowed. Incredible. Gemara is making an amazing statement. In other words, they, they, were, they were ready to give their lives, Al-Kiddush Hashem, because the assumption is, if you give your life by being thrown into a fiery furnace, then what? It's over. It's over. Had they had to endure sustained torture, they would have bowed. So I will say, now what is the Gemara trying to convey over here? The Gemara is trying to convey something amazing, that maybe Malchus is considered to be more Hummer than Misa, because Misa, especially Misa's based in, are quick, are quick. Right? With the exception maybe of skila, because skila you have to get thrown off the roof, and if you don't die from impact, then there's okay. Right? But 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 Lamaisa, but Lamaisa generally, they're quick. They're quick. Malchus perhaps is considered to be a more sustained or a prolonged form of punishment. So it's incredible. Maybe Malchus is more Hummer. 
So in, other words, in this case, where Reuven gets Hasra, Reuven gets Hasra, ultimately again for going and don't kill Shimon. So we're saying, ah, you see from here that he doesn't kill Shimon, he ends up injuring Rachel. So he has to, he has to go ahead and he has to go ahead and get, uh, he has to go ahead and get Malkus, where he has to pay. You see from here that Allah Chalamaisa, Hasra for something Chamar works for something less, something, something Kal. Maybe not. Maybe Nisa's Kal, Malkus is Chamar. Abbas is incredible. Amrali Rav Samabri Dravasi, Ravashi, Amrali Rav Samabri Dravashi, Dravashi, Veloshani Lacha. No, no, that's not fair. Tzibos say, there's a big difference between torture and malchus. What's the big difference? Tzibos say, what's the whole chap of torture? What's the whole chap of torture? The fact that you don't know when it's going to end. We should never know from such things, but the, the fact that you never know when it's going to end, that's, that's what breaks a person's spirit. But Lemaisa, again, Lemaisa, malchus, what do you always know about malchus? You know, we'll say again, from the beginning, you know how many lashes you're going to get. I will say, by the way, what an incredible you sowed. That the truth is, people can handle things in life when they know that there's an end. And we know this from our own lives. Sometimes the most difficult things that we have to encounter is when we encounter a challenge, and I don't know when it's going to be over. That, that's often when people, when circumstances could break people. I just don't know when it's ever going to end. But if you give me a challenge, and I know the challenge has a shelf life, it has a beginning, it has an end, it has a start line, a finish line, as difficult and grueling as it may be, I, I can muster up the strength to get to the other side of that. So the Gemara just says, it's not a fair comparison. Hananiah, Mishal, and Azariah, both said, by the way, which is an incredible statement, Hananiah, Mishal, and Azariah would have broken. They would have ultimately worshipped the idol, although I want to point out, it's a whole discussion whether or not the statue of Nebuchadnezzar was Avodah According to many opinions, Tosis brings this down. It wasn't Avodazara. It was just self-aggrandizement. You know, Nebuchadnezzar wanted people, you know, pledging their fidelity to him, not as a deity, not as a deity, just as a king. Okay, but leaving that aside, so Halacha Lamaisa, the Gemara says, Malchus is not torture. Torture is when there's no kitzma. There's no amount. There's no set amount. Malchus is a set amount. The proof that we had before is still intact, namely, that hasra for something more chamer ultimately again goes ahead and works for what? Something more kal. Maskev the Rav Yaakov Narpakov. So Rav Yaakov Narpakov raised the kasha. Hani chal Rabbanon the army nefesh mamish. So it's like according to the Rabbanon who say nefesh tachas nefesh. Right in the case ultimately again where Reuben's about to kill Shimon. Instead of killing Shimon, what does he do? He kills Rachel. So according to the Rabbanon who say nefesh tachas nefesh literally means literally means. That we're ready to go ahead and execute Ruvay. El Rabbi, El Rabbi, Damar Mamon, but according to Rabbi, who says that no, 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 Nefesh Tachas Nefesh doesn't mean Nefesh, it means Mamon, it means money. Because remember, again, the problem with saying Nefesh Tachas Nefesh is what? Ruvain didn't have intention to kill Rachel, he had intention to kill, he had intention to kill Ruvain, um, uh, to kill Shivan. He learns it from here. So we'll say, this is an incredible case. Here we go. Ruvain goes ahead and gets into a fight with Shimon and, and, and injures him in a very severe way. So we'll say, so, talacha, so the Torah says that if Shimon recovers from his injuries, in Yakum, if Shimon gets back up, and walks around on his own strength, ultimately, again, Ruvain is, it, Ruvain is um, what's the word? Vinika. 
I've cleared. He's cleared. He's cleared of liability. In other words, I will say binikamake, which sounds like also Reuven is not put to death. I will say, do we ever think for a moment that ultimately, again, if right, is there ever a case where Reuven would be executed if Shimon's not dead? In other words, the time you get execution of Osei is when when you kill someone. So of course, binikamake. What's the halamina? To which the Gemara is fascinating. Shechovshin also. I will say when Reuben beats up Shimon and he, he really he really hurts him very badly to the point that we're not sure if Shimon's gonna survive, what do we do? What do we do? We incarcerate Reuben. Incredible So we incarcerate Reuben. Shechovshin also. We incarcerate him. And we wait to see what happens with Shimon. If it sorry, with Shimon, yeah. If Shimon ends up dying as a result of the injuries sustained at the hands of Reuben, then what? We'll execute Reuben. But if Shimon doesn't die, then ultimately again Reuven will be on the hook for compensatory damages. To which the Gemara says, Hechidami. I'll point out there are very few cases in Halacha where we use jail. Right? If you notice in Halacha, jail is only used to figure out what to do with a person. Why? For a very simple reason. The Halachic Penal Code understood long ago that putting someone in a cell for a prolonged amount of time has absolutely no rehabilitative effect. In fact, the only thing it does is exacerbates whatever internal problems this person is already grappling with. So the only time we ever see a jail cell used is when we don't know what to do with someone. So we'll say, what's the case? Hey, Hidami, idolo asrubei, if at the end of the day there was no hasra, then I might mikto. So we'll say, if there was no hasra before Ruben went ahead, and almost killed Shimon, then ultimately again, why would Shimon, why would Ruvain be executed? Rather, it has to be that what? They warned him. Now, what was the Asra? What was the Asra? Ruvain, you're about to kill Shimon. Don't kill him. It's Asr. So, what do you see here, Abbasir? What's the case? Baruch Hashem. I mean, not Baruch Hashem. Ruvain, Ruvain beats up Shimon, almost kills him. Baruch Hashem, Shimon survives. What happens when Shimon survives? What does the Torah say? Rak What does Ruvain have to pay? Compensatory damages. They both say, Ruben is paying compensatory damages based on what kind of hasra? Is it correct? Based on what kind of hasra? Based on hasra what? Don't kill. What do you see from here? What do you see from here? So you get hasra for something more chamer. That hasra works for something more kal as well. How do you know that that's true? Maybe not. And if you want to say, I but look in this case. We're, we're warning Ruben, Ruben, don't kill Shimon. So, so Ruben beats up Shimon, almost kills him. Shimon doesn't die. Based on that Hasra, we're going to make Ruben pay. So that shows you that Hasra for something more chamar works as something more kalm. How do you know that death? That a death penalty is more chamer. Dilma Malkus chamer. I'll say same we had before. Maybe Malkus is more chamer. After all, the Amrav, the Amrav, the Mali Nagul, the Chanan Mishal Azaria, Palchulit Salma. Because after all, Rav said that had Chanan Mishal Azaria been tortured, been tortured, they would have bowed down to the idol. So, right, death they were willing to endure because death is a one-time event. Torture they couldn't. Endure. So, what do you see? You see that maybe we should say that Malkus is more chamer. Ultimately, again, then these. So, the Sma Braid Ravasi, the Ravashi, the Armile, Rav Sama, sorry, Braid Ravashi, the Ravashi, the Lo Shani, the Chabin, Akashi, Shla Kitzva, La Akashi, and La Kitzva. That's not fair. I will say Malkus is not torture. Torture is something without an end. 
right? Malkus has an end. And therefore, again, by definition, Misa will be more Hummer than Malkus. Mari, Mikatla. How do you know how do you know that this is a case of Mazid? And ultimately again Vinika means from a death penalty. Dilma Bashogate, Vinika Megalos. Maybe some had a case of Shogate. And Nika ultimately means from Gullus. To which the Gemara says, Kash. Now, the Gemara just raises, how do you know that over here the case is where the Hasra was for Mazid and killing? Maybe the Hasra ultimately again was Shogeg and Gullus. Ultimately, Kasha. Rabbi will say, what ends up coming out from this sugi is something really amazing. So remember, we are left, we left, we leave off with our still our fundamental machlokis of Yochanan and Ula, that when there's Malkus and Mammon, when there's Malkus and Mammon, ultimately again, Ula says, you get Mammon, not Malkus, Rabbi Yochanan, you get Malkus and not Mammon. Exceptions to that rule, Chavo Bechavero, Edim Zomamin. We also learn Edim Zomamin, interesting and unique case that what? Halach Lamai said, don't get Hasra. Don't get hasra. And again, I'll say over here, you see that halacha lamaisa, the Gemara ends off with the concept, or tries to prove the concept, that hasra for something more chamer, ultimately what? Works for something more kalab. I'll say, I'll just end off with one last case in the last 30 seconds we have, and the incredible Musra Haskil. I will say, if you notice this Gemara, Hanani Mishal Nazari, such a striking Gemara. The Gemara says, the Gemara says, Umali Nadgula Hanani Mishal Nazari, Apalchul Etzalma. Had Hanani Mishal Nazari, been tortured, they would have bowed down to the idol. It was only because they were given the choice of death or bowing, they chose death, because death would have been instantaneous, right? Death would have been, so they, they were ready to do that, but could not have endured torture. So we know this, so what happens, what happens with the story? The story is that they're thrown into the fiery furnace. That, that's what happened. So we'll say, what do you see from here? What do you see from here? The Ribono Shal Olam never puts us in a situation that we cannot handle. So I will say, I know it sounds cliche, and it sounds a little bit trite, right? That God never gives you challenges that you cannot handle. But I will say, just because it sounds cliche and it's often overused, doesn't mean it's not true. The Ribono Shal Olam realized that Hananiah, Mishal, and Azariah could not handle torture. They could handle dying al-Kiddush Hashem. That they could do. So the Ribono Shal only gave them what they could handle, and would never ever chas shalom put them in a situation where ultimately they were being set up for failure. If it was true for Hanayim, Mishal, and Azariah, it's true for us. And it should give us chizuk. For when we face overwhelming and daunting circumstances, sometimes we think we're in over our head. Sometimes we think we can't handle it. Ksubis, Lamid Gimel, Amid Beis. Amalei, Nagdola, Hanayim, Mishal, and Azariah. Palchol, Itzamba. Kaddish Baruch realized they couldn't handle torture, therefore did not put them in a context of torture. Realized, they could handle death al-Kiddush Hashem, gave them that Nisayon. The Ribono Shal Olam only gives us what we can handle.